It's the Dr. Rick Podcast, where internationally renowned orthopedist Dr. Richard Lehman cuts through the clutter and brings you unbiased, real science, and unfiltered information to guide your family. His book is How to Raise an Athlete, and we talk, we go off on all kinds of different deals, not just raising athletes, not just kids, but health for everybody. But tonight, um, and, and sometimes we have lighthearted moments and lighthearted topics, but we tonight we're talking about a serious one. And uh, first of all, hi, Dr. Richard Lehman. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Bob? Good. I'm Bob Ramsey. And we want to talk about something that is at epidemic levels. And it is a drug that um, is being abused uh, with youth everywhere. And we're talking about Adderall. You know, it's interesting you bring that up, Bob, because I think it's the most abused drug, prescription drug, as a medical professional or a sports doctor that we see. And, and the reason is it has so many applications, which maybe none of them are good or some of them are good, but diffuse. So for, for young uh, athletes and young adolescents, it's very effective for weight loss. And we know everybody's so concerned at that age, 12 to 25, and maybe even older in terms of weight loss. Um, it's unbelievably effective in terms of your ability to study. So you have a test tomorrow, you want to stay up all night, or you want to increase your focus. Uh, and, and so there, there's no question that it's very effective in, in that realm. Obviously, or maybe not obviously, but the real treatment for it is for uh, ADD, attention deficit disorder. And that is the prescribed reason to use it. But the off-label or the abuse potential is through the roof and it's very expensive but very accessible on the street and i think again probably the most abused drug that i've come in contact in 30 37 years of doing this so dr Le dr lehman let's let's go back to the beginning you mentioned adderall initially was designed to help those with attention deficit is that correct yes sir so in, back in the day when eight, well, back in the day, it was called ants in your pants. No one really knew what it was. And <laughs> yeah. Kids were popped up and they said you had ants in your pants. And then people realized that you had probably attention deficit disorder um, or ADHD. And then what happened was Ritalin came out. Ritalin was the first form uh, of medication to treat this. And what is it? It's basically speed and it's counterintuitive, right? You're, you're all hopped up and you take something that's going to hop you up more, but it has the exact opposite effect on people that have ADD. It actually calms you down. So you take it, it increases your focus, it causes you to hyper-focus, and it kind of shuts the noise out of your brain. And one of the things in ADD is you have all this noise going on in your brain. So when you're trying to study or concentrate, the noise is telling you to check the, your door, make sure everything's okay in your house, check your socks, count your whatever, all this noise in your brain, and it shuts that noise out. So Ritalin was the first, and we've gotten more sophisticated. So now we have longer acting and better medications for ADD, but it's all the same thing. It's speed. So then people, my guess is probably college kids, and then now it's, it's gone down to younger kids, even children, um, start to use it prescribed or not prescribed. And then it starts to become, it, it, it became abused. Talk about the abuse portion of it 
even if some people start out with so-called the the right idea using it, trying to get ready for a test, and they took a got a pill from a buddy. Well, so so now all of a sudden you got ADD and you you're 30, 40 pounds overweight. And what's the first thing you notice? Your appetite goes away, right? You, you, you take it. And not only is your ADD better, but you're not really hungry. So you incidentally lose 15 pounds. And then you say, hey, Rick, I took this Adderall and you're, you're a little overweight. Why don't you try it and see if you lose 15 pounds? So then the next guy lost 15 pounds. He gave it to his girlfriend. And then all of a sudden the word's out that, hey, if you want to lose weight, if you take this Adderall, Ritalin, all, all of these medications that are basically ADD medications, that that's going to help you lose weight. Well, the next thing is you're wide awake and you're focused. So you're just rifling through studying for that test tomorrow. You got that midterm tomorrow and you're just you're just an animal. You're just studying, study all night, study all day. Focus is killer. So what do I do? I say, hey, so-and-so, my best buddy or my girlfriend or whatever, you know, you got a big test tomorrow. You haven't really been all that good about studying. You're a little nervous about your grade. Why don't you try this and see how you do? So then the next person takes it and then the word's out. Wow, you can really study. Now you're the middle linebacker on the football team and you're just laser focused taking this, this Adderall. You're reading the plays. All the outside noise is gone. And you're just a much better football player or a tennis player or a hockey goalie, etc. So it has all these effects. No one talks about the negatives. Everyone talks about the positives. And now it's a street drug. Very, very popular. Very, very diffusely used. So you just tipped us to the next to turn the corner and say, sounds great. I'm focused. I'm getting stuff done. I'm playing better sports and my academics are better. And hey, I even lost some weight. What could possibly go wrong? What goes wrong with Adderall? Well, that's, that's, that's you know, the devil's in the details, right? Yep. So what's the problem? Well, the problem is when you go off the Adderall, you get post-Adderall depression. When you take it, it bumps you up. When you quit taking it, it bumps you down. The incidence of teen suicide after taking Adderall and going off of it goes up. The incidence of post-Adderall depression goes down. So all of a sudden, all these kids are depressed because they're not taking it anymore. Maybe their doctor isn't giving it to them. They don't need it anymore. Or they can't afford to buy it anymore. Or they can't get it like they used to get it. So they're used to this level of a high. And now they can't get that level of a high. So now it's 4 o'clock in the afternoon. You're exhausted. It's time to take another Adderall, but you don't have any. You can't study for your test. You're eating a lot because you're depressed. And it reverses all the good. So without it, all the good is good. Without it, all the bad is bad. And again, the incidence of post-Adderall depression and post-Adderall suicide is way up. Yeah, that, it's, it's a frightening turn that what you think about it's helping your mental acuity and focus, but it's affecting the emotional side. And we all know young people, teenagers well into their 20s, the emotional thing and the brain chemistry is a nightmare as it is, right? And so you add this to the mix and you're you're asking for trouble. And and you just hit on probably the most important part of this whole podcast, and that is you have this adolescent age, and we all went through it, where you're volatile. Some were more volatile, some are less volatile, but you're trying to figure out who you are, your emotions are high, 
everything is a big deal in high school or junior high school. And so your, your, your ability to react and, and, and calm things down and, and be rational is developing. You know, you're not there. It's developing. Now you're adding basically high octane to the problem and you're making the problem that much worse. Now, if you have ADD, your world's getting calmer. But if you don't have ADD, your world's getting less calm. It's getting more agitated, more emotional. And then when you stop taking it, you get what they call couch block. You're just exhausted. You're a little depressed. You're eating more. And all the good now becomes all the bad. So before we get to the signs to help parents or friends of somebody using it, because that's going to be the the big final message of our podcast uh, today, uh, I want to talk about, it occurred to me, the original use to help people with ADD. Have, have we learned what they can do and how much they can do without getting into danger and how to balance it out so to a, avoid the depression? Uh, where, where are we with the intended use of Adderall? Well, so, you know, I think it's overprescribed. I really do. And I, and I, and, and I think as a doctor, if you have ADD and you have proven ADD, you should take some form of um, Adderall. And, and again, there's a number of different uh, medications that are long acting that are, some are actually topical, nose spray. There's, there's every variation. So I think if you truly have ADD, you probably need to be medicated. Now, so where's the kicker? The kicker is you need to make sure that you really have ADD or your child really has ADD. Because it's easy for me to go to my parents and say, look, I can't concentrate. You know, so-and-so says I might have ADD. You go to the doctor. The doctor says, oh, you may have ADD. Here's medicine. That's wrong. That's not what you want to do. So you want to go to an ADD specialist, whether that's a child psychologist or an adult psychologist, and someone who can truly test you for this problem to document it and make sure, A, you have it, and B, you're on the right medication, instead of just writing Bob Ramsey a script for 100 Adderall and saying, do what you want. Because what you want probably turns out to be selling them for $20 a pill. You don't really have Adderall, you don't have ADD in the first place. So what you want to do is you want to make sure, step one, parents out there, your child really has ADD. You want to get appropriately tested. You want to go to an expert. And you want to make sure before you make this life-altering decision that you're going to put them on this medicine, the medicine's the right thing. Then you need follow-up. Did the Adderall do what it's supposed to do? Did it calm your world down? Is your focus better? And kids that have ADD act out. They do crazy stuff. They run out in the middle of the street. They say crazy stuff. You know, they can't sit down for a minute. So it shouldn't be just a matter of I can't focus. It should be kids that have true ADD and the patterns are very, very reproducible. So you, you get the right diagnosis, you get the right follow-up, you make sure the medicine's doing what it's supposed to be doing, and then you do something that very few people follow through on, and that's activity behavior modification. You want to modify and teach that student, that athlete, that youngster, how to control their ADD, some of its diet, decreasing their carbohydrates, some of its um counseling, some of its behavior modification, straightforward, but you want the whole package and you want to try to diminish the amount of medication they're on. That just makes sense. That's the great advice for parents 
who have children that may have ADD. Now, let's get back to the point we really want to hammer home tonight before we move on, and that is the abuse of Adderall and the other similar drugs that are out there, the abuse, the depression, the suicide, um, not being prescribed. Most all the time, I'm sure, or most of the time, parents don't know. What, what do you tell these parents to look out for? What are the warning signs? So I, I think that's, that, that is the crux of what we're talking about. And number one, shifts in personality. So if all of a sudden your son or your daughter loses 20 pounds, their diet, their, their appetite goes away, their diet just falls away to nothing, you have to assume something is causing that because it's very hard just to not eat. I mean, you cannot eat for a day or two, but you and I both know after that, you know, that cheeseburger is looking pretty sweet. So significant weight loss. Number two, change in personality. And, and it's not just a change because they go from being hopped up from the speed, right? Right. Be able to study long periods of time to being very, very depressed or very, very quiet or, or, or almost morose. So you have to talk to your kids. So if you see a change in their personality, you see a significant change in their grades, all of a sudden your B student is killing every test and he's able to sit in his room or her room for hours and hours at a time, and then they're doing much better, but you're noticing a change in their personality, let's say over the weekend where they're, they're maybe a little depressed, they seem to be muted, then you have to talk to them. So alterations in their personality, alterations in their weight, and if all of a sudden they seem to be distancing themselves. You know, they're all of a sudden spending a lot of time not being the personable person that you came to love and know. Those are signs. Now, the one group that uses these things as much as any are gamers. And you know what they'll do? They'll sit on their computer for 17, 18 hours and they'll play whatever that, yeah. And so if your child is a gamer, and there's a lot of gamers today, you know, more, more, more prominent in Southeast Asia. We've got plenty of kids spending 14, 15 hours a day. And I know a few of them and they want to be professional gamers, but the abuse potential there is huge. So for gamers, you, you got to talk to your kids. You know, if they're sitting in the room with two, three computer screens, playing all kinds of crazy games, e-games, et cetera, you just want to make sure they're not taking anything to stay awake to all hours of the night. Cause these kids do stay awake to all hours of the night. And so when you recognize these things, and this is probably the hardest part for parents, it's to step in. But the alternative to ignore it or let it go, let it resolve itself, too many times is not turning out the way we want. Absolutely. So then they get clinically depressed because they can't get the Adderall forever. And they get clinically depressed. They go in a bad, a bad place. Bad things happen. And, you know, the hardest thing for a parent is is – to, to not just because your, your, your sense says, hey, I'll hang in there and, and everything will work its way out. And, right. and some of these things, and, and that can be, and we can talk about these on another podcast, fentanyl use, et cetera. They don't, work their th- they don't work their way out. So the hardest thing is for the parent to step in and say, hey, you know, what's going on? Now, the child's going to say everything's fine. Don't worry about it. I got this, whatever. But the parent has to be, ha- has to have a dialogue, has to be inquisitive. And has to look, <coughs> excuse me, and talk to their student athlete or student or child 
on a routine basis to see if there's changes. Because if you don't know what their baseline is, you don't know what what what's changed. So you have to engage your child. You know, when you ask them how their day was, they're going to give you two words. You have to ask questions. You have to be involved. You have to talk to their friends. And you have to kind of wheel your way in there to be part of the communicative system so you can see if there's a change. And notice if, if, if you think that something is altered. And you have to ask those questions. Now, they may not give you those answers. But if you ask those questions enough, you're going to find out. And finally, last note, as, you st- as a parent steps in, it says, my child needs help. There is a, There are ways to do that. How do you then stop the spike and valley and, and peak and valley? How do you work your kid back off the Adderall? I think no parent can do that. So, so you, you've got two choices. One choice is to go online and find a, a group and, and kids that are families that are uh, abuse families that are working through it. Or you go online, you find a psychologist, or you call us at the U.S. Center for Sports Medicine, and we hook you up with a psychologist, because you're going to need some professional help, unless you're a professional, (coughs) to get that done. That's not something you can undertake without some help. Without professionals. Support groups. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, without professionals to help guide you. Yeah. You know, there's support groups that every hospital has and, and groups have and churches have, et cetera. But this is not something that you need to decide on your own. You're going you're gonna to tackle this problem. And somebody who's a professional has been through this over and over and over again. They know how to do this. They know the right questions to ask. And they know the right ways to get things back on track. That's Dr. Rick Lehman. Rick, we, we'll stay on top of this, this epidemic and this story. And as we move forward over time, and we'll touch back and see if we have any Uh, success with that thing. Very, very important. Thanks for the time. We'll talk to you on the next podcast. Perfect. That is Dr. Richard Lehman. And of course, the podcast here on Claves Online, uh, uh, the Dr. Rick podcast and the book, of course, How to Raise an Athlete. I'm Bob Ramsey, and we'll see you next time. From our roots in St. Louis, Royal Banks of Missouri is branching out to continue serving you with our locations in St. Charles, Jerseyville, Granite City, and now in Hannibal, Center, and New London. Royal Banks of Missouri, the community bank in your community.